from the old National Bank State Street studio, you're listening to Waddle and Sylvie on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Such a wide response here on the uh, Twitter mentions. Last of nine on Twitter says Tomlin has four playoff wins ever. No. That's his response. Another Twitter responder says, uh, the guy's never had a team go below 500. That's mediocrity, question mark? Saying that basically, like... It's easier to do these days than it has been in recent, you know, maybe... I don't say recent years, but... Like, everyone's mediocre this year, or in the last few years in the NFL. Before we get to Courtney, I know Ted wanted to respond. I teased uh, that he had... Big thoughts on uh, what's up, Ted? Hey, gentlemen. Uh, hey, gentlemen. Calling from Pittsburgh. Um, so I think Tomlin would be an absolutely terrible hire because in 17 years of coaching the Steelers, you can't name one assistant that has came from his system that has gone on to do well. Bruce Arians. He was already there. But he was one of his assistants. But he was, he was there before Tomlin. Arians and... Um, Dick LeBeau were both there before Tomlin. Well, he was smart enough to keep him, Ted. Uh, I mean, he was told he had to keep uh, LeBeau, but I mean, I don't know if he had an option. By the way, you know what Dick Dick LeBeau was? I called him Tick LeBeau. You know what Dick LeBeau was was famous for, Ted? The old zone blitz where the defensive lineman drops into coverage. That's neither here nor there. I just thought it was topical. Why (laughs) Why did Arians leave Pittsburgh and go to Indy? That's a good question. I, that I don't know. Maybe no Tomlin idea. sent him away. I don't know. It's a, I mean, listen, Ted, it's a good point that he was there before he got there. But I'm with you that, like, that's the last offensive coordinator. Ted's ba- uh, bailed on us. But okay. that's the last Pittsburgh offensive coordinator that really floats your boat, isn't it? You, does Todd Haley float your boat? No, no, he had a major problems, and I always liked Matt time. Canada. No, your boat. No, who else no. was there? I don't recall. And th- and that's that's what you have to get right here. Yeah, yeah. That that that, that was Lovey's problem. I mean, yeah. it, as stable as Lovey had it here, he didn't win enough playoff games, didn't go to the playoffs enough, and he didn't solve the offensive coordinator's problem. That was very similar issues. Let's bring in Courtney Cronin, who joins us on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Courtney, if the Bears do make a change at, at head coach, um, would you rather the Bears hire Jim Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin? And I heard you talk to Brooke Pryor about this, I think, on the national show two days ago, where they would have to trade for him and then sign him. Yeah, and I'll to answer your first question, um, what I heard you talking with the caller about, I read Arian's book, the one that Quarterback Whisperer, whatever he just titled it, it came out in 2021. And that was like his reasoning for why he got fired in Pittsburgh is because he got too loyal to Ben Roethlisberger. He was too loyal. At least like, that's his take on that whole situation. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting point because he is a player's coach and he does – um, you know, he is somebody who you'd think would have fit in that Steeler way for a while. It's neither here nor there. As it pertains to Mike Tomlin, um, there would probably be like how this whole thing goes down at the end of the season for Pittsburgh. Like the idea that a mutual parting of ways could be in play does seem realistic. 
only based on what we know about the relationship between this coach and this franchise and that this very well may be his first losing season ever. Now, would the Bears go after someone like Mike Tomlin? You know, I think it's something to certainly consider because the return on investment for a Mike Tomlin who is, you know, still got years and years and years to do this, and, I mean, it's there. Unlike the Belichick argument, like, you know, the man's going to be, I believe he's in his 70s or may have, like, you know, he'll be getting there soon. Like, you get a much, much more runway to go with Harbaugh or to go with Mike Tomlin. The reason I've said the, you know, I'd be a little surprised if Harbaugh is, like, the ultimate candidate at the end of the day is because of the relationship, you know, with Kevin Warren, like how we don't, you know, we don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, those two know each other from their big 10 days is all good. Is everything been smoothed over? Does he think that that Jim Harbaugh being here would, um, you know, would be a fix for, for this team? Cause one source I talked to recently when I was just floating the idea, they gave me like a four year timeline for Jim Harbaugh that, you know, everything's great. And then he gets to year four and he wins and then he goes buck wild. That was how it was put to me. And we'll see if that, you know, You can look back to the San Francisco 49ers in those days that he was there taking a team to the Super Bowl, developing a young quarterback. Like All of the positives are there, but there's also ancillary things that you deal with when you deal with a Jim Harbaugh that, you know, do the Bears want to put up with that? Is that something that they're willing to bring into this building? That question has to be answered. So, you know, between Tomlin and Harbaugh, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. And, you know, the the proof of winning at the NFL level is there. I think that Mike Tomlin's message has gotten lost on the in the locker room. And that's what we were talking about when I was hosting Greeny yesterday. He's got a lot of young, disgruntled players, whether it's Deontay Johnson, whether it's Najee Harris. Uh, the George Pickens thing came out, you know, this week when he's, you know, questioning Pickens' effort. Of course, we all know Chase Claypool and how that unfolded. So, you know, I think the message needs to change and who's delivering the message needs to change. And that doesn't mean that his message wouldn't, you know, wouldn't fly in a young locker room like Chicago. I I would say too, for Jim, if Jim is, is, you know, he's free to negotiate with anybody and there's a lot of cash available here in Chicago with salary cap issues and you've got a lot of draft currency. But if you look at the chargers, he would have an input on who the, the general manager would be because that position is open. He's got a young quarterback. It's a talented roster. Now they may have some salary cap issues that they would have to address, but I would wonder whether or not Jim would choose the chargers over this team anyway, if in fact he had his choice of either. I mean, how much are the chargers paying? They're notoriously a very frugal organization. Now their owner just came out. Yeah. Their owner came out and believe what you want from him, but said, you know, none of that will be an issue for them going forward. But history tells you, like you said, Courtney, that it has in the past. They can't afford to go like in in the sense of like losing your positioning of where you are with a you know quarterback you just paid a ton to and somebody you need to be a savvy you know salary cap maneuver or you know somebody to, to finesse what the offseason is going to look like. They need someone with experience. I would not be surprised though if it's first year head coach, first year general manager, just given their track record. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, today, Luke Getze spoke. Um, it, w- w- he's not safe even if they keep Matt Eberflus. Would you, w- would you agree with that logic? It's the chicken and egg argument here because, like, you know, what Flew said the other day and the questions about, 
you know, his relationship with the offense and what his involvement in the offense is, I think that that all plays into, okay, well, how do you really feel about Luke Getze? And how do you feel about the job that he's done? And he hasn't commented on that part. Like, he says he'll be the one evaluating everything at the end of the year, but will he? Like, do we know? Is he going to be the head coach here, you know, four weeks from today? Is he making that evaluation one week removed from, you know, the end of the regular season? Is he going to, you know, have that, have the platform to do it? Is he going to be the head coach? So, like, we got to find that part out first. But I would, I would like to believe in things that I've heard that, you know, of course, all of this is going to be dictated on, like, who they think they're going to be, who they think their quarterback's going to be. Like, all of this has to come in the perfect succession in order for it to work. So, you've got to know. You know, at some point in the next couple weeks, well, like, let's let's just theorize here that, like, Justin is not their guy. They're going to move on. Doesn't mean they're going to trade him in the next couple weeks. But you've got to know as far as a play caller, is Luke Getzey the person that you want to keep for the next quarterback? Like, if you're thinking it's Caleb Williams, can Caleb run the offense that you think Luke Getzey, you know, either needs to, like, make tweaks to or run it as is? Can Caleb run that better? Then I think Luke would be in position to stay. But I, But outside of that... I know these are a lot of hypotheticals. You know, I would imagine that given where they are right now as an offense that's had some good moments but also some epic flops, that in no way can is it a slam dunk. He's here next year. They're moving forward with him. And regardless, everything gets canceled out. If Fluce is gone, the whole staff is gone. That's yes. how it works yeah. in the NFL. So, like, that's the, that's the easy way to determine, like, what somebody's future is. Like, if you're going to can the head coach, you're going to take out the entire staff, too. It's just the way it is. But, um... But no, I mean, when, when, when he's being evaluated for these last two years, they're going to have to determine how much of the success of the offense or lack thereof in moments was his play calling versus how much of it was the quarterback. And I do think this week we heard you know, just some more about some of those moments about the, you know, the, the pitch play back to Khalil Herbert, the third and one that didn't, that didn't work, and to, to Tyler Scott. And then before that, the fourth and one last week against DJ, with DJ. Like, there's a lot there that I think they can, you know, look through and say, well, maybe they do need a change at the offensive coordinator. Courtney, give me give me a percentage, just a guesstimate of if I were if I were to ask you a percent chance that it meant Eberflus is back and a percent chance then that Getze would be back. I'll give I mean, I think the Flus thing is probably and again, this is my opinion on it, just based on people I've spoken with, and you do get a varying amount of opinions if you are talking to enough people i would say it's probably 48 percent chance that he's back and then you know just because there are going to be some bigger options that if the bears do want to make a a home run swing um that they can go after but if he wins these final three games that percentage to me goes up because that shows you have a coach who can get a team to play when there's in a lot of respects, not a lot to play for because of the record and no real shot at the postseason. If you have a defense that continues to excel in the manner in which they have, then I think it's you know that number sh- shoots up to a 65-70% chance that he stays. There is a lot more at stake here these final three games for Matt Eberflus in Chicago than I think there is for Justin Fields. And you know, as it pertains to Luke Getze, if Flus stays and the offense has – you know, some of these collapses or there's these moments where Fields can't lead his team down the field in a fourth-quarter drive to win the game, then that's, 
you know, that's going to weigh heavier probably on the evaluation of, of Luke Getzey going forward. There's so many dominoes connected here because, I, I mean... You that's get, why it's hard. I feel yeah. like I'm talking myself. I, mean, I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's awful radio on my no, no, it's, I am talking myself into a circle right now. It's, no, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a really hard... Like, you have to, like, know what they're going to do first. And what I've told fans who seem to expect that they're going to have, like, announce the answer on the quarterback week 18... They're not. They have to decide the Monday after, Black Monday in the NFL, are they firing a coach or not? They don't wait for that. I know the Giants did a couple years ago when they fired Joe Judge that week um, where, like, all the coaches got fired on Monday. Nagy and Pace got fired Monday. I believe it was, like, Wednesday by the time they fired Joe Judge or maybe even Tuesday. But it's there's so much, like, hypotheticals out there that, like, it has to go in the right order. Otherwise, it it will fail. So they have to figure out head coach first before they figure out the offensive coordinator, before they figure out anything with the quarterback. There's so many different combinations. And for anybody who believes that the head coach stays and you just fire the offensive coordinator and then you're going to keep the quarterback, I would ask you, so now you're asking your quarterback to learn a third offense in his fourth season yeah. in the National Football League. It, like Some of it just doesn't make a ton of sense or to me. Or if you draft another quarterback with a, a coaching staff that's on right. a hot seat, right. and, and then you're going so rep- to repeat yeah. the same mistake like the last regime. You know what I mean? That's, like, why I, that's why I think that the odds, the Vegas odds, are for me that you're going to see either no change or a ton of change. You just can't. I don't know how you process and and advertise some change. And I think even inside of that, I think that the odds are massive change is more likely than no change. If you're just using common sense. I agree with that because, you know, you go back the last couple of quarterbacks here have not been picked by – they've been picked by, like – you know, the new staff inherits the lame-duck quarterback, more or less, like if if that's the right way to phrase it. and. If they're really serious about moving in a different direction and letting an outside voice like Kevin Warren now guide this direction in ways that it did not it did not go for the last however many years under the previous regimes and also the previous decision makers, then then massive changes are probably what are what's in order. Yes. It's how much ownership's going to be involved in those decisions because you know, if George McCaskey is is dead set on a certain piece of this team staying as is, then that's going to be a hard thing, a hard sell to, to change. Because at the end of the day, he's the one who signs off on the checks. He's the one who has the the ultimate say on everything. But the, like, we'll get to know, I think, more in the next couple of weeks the influence that Kevin Warren has over the football operation here, as far as the head coach the offensive coordinator, and then down the line, of course, the quarter, like all of that with the quarterback. But this will be a true test to see who's pulling the strings behind the scenes and like who's actually making the decisions on firings and then hiring. And if, you, if that's, as you just described, if that is actually the case, where George, love George as a guy, he is who he is, if he still, and, and I, get, I get it, owners would normally have final say, but we've been led to believe that business is being done differently up there now. If it has to pass through George's okay process, that would be, to me, the most alarming thing because it would tell me that the autonomy that we had hoped that Kevin Warren had been given is not necessarily there. Yeah, of course, and I do believe he has 
a significant amount of autonomy, but he also has a significant amount of respect too right. for this this that's family fair. that's yeah. you know family organization that brought him in. That I he won't be making decisions in a silo. Right. He may have the ultimate say at the end, but he's also somebody who understands like you know the politics part of all of this. That you know the way that things are perceived, the way that you have to go about business in certain respects, like by kind of you know, falling in line in, cer- in certain elements of how you do business, that's necessary to function. Um, so what did you think of the uh, picture yesterday with Montez Sweat and Zach Levine posing together? You know, and we talked about this this morning. <laughs> like, it's just, like, I- I'm glad Montez Sweat had a great time at the game. I'm glad the Bulls won. I'm glad that, you know, for anybody who got to go see LeBron, I, you know, that's, I know it's his 20th loss. I saw Greenberg's column this morning. I didn't realize he's played here 20 times and lost all 20 games. It must be the uh, the uh, ghost of Michael Jordan haunting him anytime he steps into the United Center. But, I, I mean, that picture, you could come up with a thousand different captions, and yes, caption you know contest. everything would be perfect. Get you know, your hands so off of Montez, please. Like, the Bears have to be like, please, like, don't do anything, like, to affect him and make him – you know, I just I'm surprised that they haven't traded him yet. But then again, like if the Bulls don't can't use him and don't need him right now, what team's going to be chomping at the bit? Do the Lakers really want to go all in and trade for Zach Levine right now? I mean, he's the one who wanted out of here and the team's playing better without him. And I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight to see when they play the Spurs, like how, you know, if you can rack up another win here, what would it be? Three straight? Two straight, like I mean, this is a good team right now, and I'm excited to see where they three. go. Go three, like yeah. going forward. But um, I, you know, it's just it was funny to watch that, like to see the, the dichotomy between two two players: one who's on a trajectory going way upward, one who got paid and and didn't has not at all um, reached the you know given the the Bulls the return on investment uh, that 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 you know Montez Sweat has done in five games. So pretty remarkable. Yeah. Anything else, Corny, we need to know? You know, the mood in the locker room today was, you know, this team's five and nine. And I get it. Like, they're uh, they're mostly out of the playoff picture. There's, like, a very outside chance. But it was just a really unique vibe in there today. Like, they, of course, like, you know, anytime there's food, that's going to bring people together. <laughs> but like, they were all eating wings after practice. And you have guys chatting each other up around their locker. And I actually, like, asked Montez Sweat about this. Um, and I don't think he, he didn't like the question at first. And I completely respect it because I asked, like, what's Washington like this? Because, you know, you had another situation where, you know, the team was outside on the outside looking in of the playoffs and the mood I would imagine was probably not the same. And, you know, in so many words, you, you were able to understand that sentiment. And this is, you know, he and I talked afterwards and I think that it's just, you can tell when guys are building towards something that they want to be around. Like the locker room is the best place to take the pulse for that. Like if it's a losing team and nobody cares and guys are checked out, the locker room will be empty. And I just felt today that it was a different, it's just not a normal scene to have a group that has five wins, eight in two years, and they're all together. They're all having at least what looked like a good time. And they all are enjoying each other's company. I've been in locker rooms where losing teams, do not have that same sort of look. And I thought it really spoke volumes to a group that just had a soul-crushing loss in Cleveland last week that they do feel they have something to play for in terms of their own individual 
achievements and goals, but also that they're building towards something for next season, regardless of what the makeup of this team looks like from a coaching perspective and with a quarterback. Any update on Tevin Jenkins and some of the other guys and their availability for Sunday? So Mooney was back today. Um, he had an illness yesterday, but he was full go at practice. He talked afterwards. DJ's doing better coming off the ankle injury he had. Uh, Tevin's still in concussion protocol, so that's mm. going to be one to watch. I don't anticipate him being back because he was DNP again today. And Demarcus Walker was back. So, you know, again, for their, for their D-line depth, um, you know, a positive sign that he wasn't out again. But another one to watch is Cole Komet, I believe, has a quad injury. So... Limited today. Keep an eye on that one tomorrow. Okay. That's good. Good stuff. All right, Courtney, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Courtney. you. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, we'll see Courtney Cronin uh, at the Dr. Pepper stage at Soldier Field on Sunday for Bears pregame. What kind of weather are we looking like? It was like 55, I want to say. Really? I looked at the forecast. Wow. Yeah, for Christmas You guys have been Eve. getting lucky this year. We have. Um, and, and remember, it's a 325 game, so yeah. we'll get like right at the peak temperature. Right. Like uh, at around 1 o'clock. For pregame show. I tell you what, it is. I, there are certain things, and I know this sounds like really stupid, but um, the field condition as right. the season has rolled on, because usually when it gets, you know, the, it, it starts to get bad here in town, the field will will mirror or mimic the weather, and it hasn't. Like it's that's spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it's like one thing that people maybe I'm making too much of it, or you think no, I'm not. But, no, but when it comes, Fields to, just talked about it. Yes, you, when performing and going, I'm telling you, there was times when you would dread playing at home at this time of year because the surface was so bad. You want it to be somewhere else. Have they had a bad weather game during the game? I think that's helped. Because uh, uh, my recollection, so. I don't think it's rained yeah. during a game. Yeah, I think they probably I think you're probably right that it's been dry during games. Yes, but even so, like this was historically, even to a couple of years you know, ago, they solved it. They yeah. solved the issue. They got new grass last year, I believe. Yeah, right? right? They yeah, got they the have. Bermuda grass. They went to the Bermuda, and and that what that has fixed it. You After years and yeah. years of not knowing how to uh, how to do it, and I think it was Eberflus who suggested it. Yeah, there's one thing that Eberflus uh, did. <laughs> he solved the field. Well, Everyone's I mean, listen, there that. are other teams that are still struggling. I was got an article today about the Vikings are changing their turf up in their stadium. Right. Obviously, the Jets and the Giants have had trouble with all of the injuries on their surface. It's just it's nice to have a field and conditions, especially in the climate we live in, that you don't have to worry about and you're not feeling like you're putting your players in harm's way. Bobby in Milwaukee, can we go to line five? Bobby, you're on ESPN 1000. What's on your mind? Guys, thanks for taking the call. Um, wanted to talk about the would you rather. I think it, Harbaugh's the clear choice here for a few reasons. I think, one, obviously you're not giving up the trade comp form. Uh, but I also think that the biggest thing that the Bears need right now is a culture change. And Harbaugh has shown to do that at every single stop, you know, going back to the University of San Diego. Now, he, he kind of burns brighter and lasts shorter than, like, a Tomlin would. But I think with what the Bears can do even next year, um, Harbaugh makes sense probably for the next three to four years um, because right now the culture in Pittsburgh is, is not good. Um, and, you know, the idea of announcing 12, 13 starters on offense, like that would not fly under Harbaugh. So I think that he's, he's the really clear choice here. And, and I also think what's exciting is the chance for some alignment. And you guys and Courtney talked about this earlier, but I can't remember in 32 years of being a Bears fan where we're in lockstep between the GM, the head coach, 
and the quarterback. And uh, I think Poles and Kevin Warren have have the the equity to make this decision. Um, and I think a, a change at head coach is really really. Um, needed and Harbaugh would yes. be the right guy to do the, it. They're two good really point. good points, and and the one thing is 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 getting everyone on the same schedule. I don't want to overvalue it and suggest that it is the answer or the solution to all of our problems, but, but it's a big one. But it, but but it is something I'd like to try. I'd like to try and see yeah. if that it could be something that could create a beneficial or a, a positive atmosphere. And the other thing I would say with Harbaugh is, look. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've stayed in touch with Jim over the course of the last 10 years closely. I haven't. I've seen him occasionally. I saw him this past year, like late May, and exchanged a couple of texts with no inside knowledge. The point I'm making is, is that I can't tell you 100% yes or 100% no that the Jim Harbaugh that was in the NFL years and years ago with the, with the San Francisco 49ers that everyone says there's a shelf life on him. He's been in Michigan now for almost a decade. Maybe he is different on that front. You learn. Yeah, you exactly. grow up. Exactly. Like, so I, I guess the point I'm, I'm making is, is I, I wouldn't ch- push my chips in all in for saying that there's only a shelf life for this. And the other thing about Harbaugh, too, is he is hired well. Yes. He, He's like, always people, put together a very good staff. staff. So I guess the, the thing I'm saying is, is I don't think now, 10 years removed or 12 years, however many years removed from being out in San Francisco in the NFL, I wouldn't necessarily say... That his shelf life now in the NFL would be short because he'll wear people. I just I, maybe he has a different personality and a different way of dealing with things that is kind of a more mature version of what he was years ago. I don't if know they, if they brought in Tomlin and they did not have to give up a large amount of uh, of draft capital. I, I would I would be excited for that. Too. I would like, too, but it, I also want to know what your answer. Yes. A- of course. That's a coordinator is because I found you out. You can't ignore that. You cannot ignore that. Yeah, you know who is his last coordinators have been? I know. It was Matt Canada prior to him getting fired. Randy Fickner. Ficky. You like the old Fickner? I don't like Ficky. And uh Todd Haley. Not good. So not good. Just saying. Just saying. I know you're saying. Playing the just I'm saying game. Three three two three seven seven six. if you just want to say. <laughs> uh, we'll take your calls. And uh, Waddle's World is That's coming right. up. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Welcome to Waddle's World. Come inside. Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Why not? It is the Christmas spirit season. It's holiday season. Get weird. Trust Community Bank's there, Chicago's banks, and they're the people that bring you Waddle's World. Find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash find us. Member FDIC. Have you ever thought about tipping an airline official or not an official, but like a flight attendant at any point? You do a lot of traveling. Yeah. 
Have you? No. Have you I ever don't. tipped an airline? I've never even thought about it. I don't think so. Like right now, too. Do you know that they don't even they don't even take a credit card? Right. I know you can't. It's give, all right. it's all uh, like uh, yes. contactless. Right. They don't take cash. They don't take credit I think cards. It's actually a pretty good policy. I don't so, like. I think it's bad. They don't want to even take your money, but I'm sure they take a tip. I've never even thought about it, to be honest. What do you with think? You. So why, why is this now a new trend that they're saying that you should? Well, here's an tip. article. I don't know where it's from. Tyler or one of the guys that gave it to me. New York over. Post, I believe. New York Post. Should you tip flight attendants? Here are the airline rules and what experts advise over the holidays. Crew members are known well for providing passengers with flight tips, but should you return the favor? With Christmas zooming toward us, some frequent flyers have been wondering the same thing. Should I tip my flight attendant? Interestingly enough, while the cabin crew might seem like sky waiters, they serve food and drinks. After all, many flight experts believe that gratuities have no place on an airplane. Some worry that the promise of extra cash could potentially result in flight attendants emphasizing service over safety, Mm. the latter being their number one priority. I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I don't think because they're giving you quality service and you may give them a gratuity, all of a sudden they're not going to tell you how to put your oxygen mask on or that that you have a flotation device underneath your seats. You know, he's definitely not tipping the flight attendant is your code. No doubt. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. I've never thought of it. I've never thought about whether or not it's something that we should do. Where, where, where do you draw the line? Like, we should go through that, Tyler. Maybe on tomorrow's show. Are you in tomorrow? I am in tomorrow. Why, like, don't, you, why don't you come up with a list? And I don't know if it's, it's a right or wrong list. Tip or not to tip. Yes, a list of everything, and we'll do to tip or not to tip. Well, I think you think, do you think it'd be more, would it be more appropriate to tip the, the, the pilot for getting you safely I to and from? I was thinking about that, like, as you go through, you know, the jetway and, you know, how... Hey. They're usually hey, there. Boss, hey, you know what? There was a, He's a it was 20. A good, it was a good ride. I yeah. was on time. Yeah. Thank you. Here's here's a 10. I Not bumpy. Now, they are getting paid significantly more than flight attendants exactly. are. Exactly. That's true, too. And I'm not so sure. Listen, I, how much of a flight is actually autopilot? I don't know. I don't oh. know how much they're doing. I'm asking. I'm not. I'm not. You know, being skeptical. I'm just asking the question. That's what I mean. So, I, it, like again, I think the 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 people in the industry that doesn't get tipped enough. I bet you, if you polled and everyone was honest, the most is still housekeeping. Yeah. So it, it looks like up to ninety percent of a flight is on autopilot. Yeah. That's what I thought. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Once you get in the uh, air, like probably my guess, my guess would be it's probably just taking off and landing. Like yeah. those are the two. What big are they things. doing up there? Well, I would listen. I I would think that unless there's a malfunction, wouldn't you rather the computers be in charge than humans? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't think so. No. I mean that—that's the. Um, Would, I mean, do you trust technology more? You're the guy that wants to get in the car that drives itself. I was going to say, isn't that the big question behind that, that's driverless because cars? Because I'm lazy, though. That, but I'm lazy. Okay. That's me. That's like. Do you think it's safer? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. 
Listen, I'm all for tipping people. I just want to make sure that I'm doing it and it's, you know, it's the right thing to be doing. Don't you think a world with driverless cars where you would take out all the bad drivers in the world would be a safer place? It sounds like common sense, but I, you know, every now and again I see these you know, news specials where, you know, oh, we've had a disaster as one of these driverless cars has veered into something and we've got problems. There was a scene again. I told you about the Julia Roberts movie. The I forget where what it's called. It's on Netflix. It's another one of those like apocalypse movies. But um, fantastic. Let me get home. I, I know. I know. That. Uh, it's a Merry great Christmas, cast. everybody. It's a great cast, by the way. Uh, there is a scene with the driverless cars in there, too. Is the yeah. movie about AI? Isn't that what you said it is? Is it an AI thing? or No, it's not an AI movie. Is it Leave the World Behind? Leave the World Behind, yes. It, it's, a, it's a, I don't know, read the cast, Charlie. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic cast. Wow, yeah, it is. It's uh, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, Kevin Bacon oh, is in it. Yeah, I actually saw there's a big, there's a big advertisement for you uh, driving north on the Edens when you're going home. I've seen that. I've seen the advertisement. Yeah, the like, smug- I, I was looking forward to seeing the movie. It yeah. wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Okay, well, that's not a ringing endorsement, so it's probably going to go further down on my list. By the way, uh, Pep to- Oil's got a Pep Oil's got a good uh, oh, name for our segment. Uh, Did you see what he tweeted, texted us? Absolutely. <laughs> just We're playing Waddle and Sylvie play just, just the, the tip, tip tomorrow. That's good. We're well, playing I, just, I just the holiday tip. I haven't seen PB in a while. I miss him. I miss Me his too. scent. I miss, I miss his, his musk. Right. Well, I know he's busy. Right I got it. I know the he's busy. The hockey scent isn't as, 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 as joyful as a, a normal scent. Well, he's not the guy putting on the gear, so he smells just fine. That's true. Did you see the picture of Wemby Miyama? Yeah, with I still Bedard. have trouble with the name. Wemby Miyama? Wemby and, um, Bedard. and Bedard, yes. It sounded like you were struggling with Bedard there, too. Um <laughs> Yeah, come on, PB. Why don't you stop by the studio and, and drop some hockey knowledge on us? Or maybe we'll reciprocate and drop a little hockey knowledge on you. Have you ever tried to smuggle anything in your pants on an airplane? Not in an airplane, in a stadium. Bangkok Airport busts a passenger smuggling two otters and a prairie dog in his underwear. Two otters? That's unsafe. Two otters and a prairie dog. That's a good fantasy football team name. Two otters and a prairie dog. Two otters and a prairie dog. Yeah, a Taiwanese man is facing charges after being caught smuggling live animals in his pants at the airport in Bangkok last week. Authorities uh, authorities discovered three animals. Two otters and a prairie dog taped under the traveler's boxer shorts. After security guards became suspicious of, suspicious of a prominent wobbling bulge below his waist. See, I think this is a joke story. Then it, it, and Tyler. then there's the guy stuffing his pants in Bangkok. I mean, come on now. Tyler. Tyler. What is this? Two otters <laughs> and a prairie dog. Two, uh, two otters and a prairie name, dog smuggling name. in his underwear. Sylvie's calling BS on the story. That's not me. That was uh, Charlie. You found that one, didn't that you? That you, Chuck Wagon? This must have been Pottinger, I think. Old well, look at you guys Pottinger. just keep passing the buck. I mean, I don't think it was. I don't think this was a, a you know a, a lie. Here's a great headline for you. I, I I don't give a rat's ass about the sports stories either right now. So if you're waiting for those. Kick rocks. Did you see uh, Peggy texted, or, or Peggy texted just me? Did, does she not have your number? Of course, she's got my number. 
She said, uh, oh, my God, my husband tips flight attendants all the time. He started doing it yeah. during COVID, thanking them for working because so many I flights would great. be canceled. I think it's great. That's the number good... of people uh, not working, and now he gets turned down by about 50% of the time. And they say, that I can't take that? Yes. Yes, when he does try to tip. So, Jason. Well, Jason's job well man. done for Listen, Jason. I'm going to tell you, Jason and Peggy are two of the most generous people you'll ever meet. They're cool. Yes. They're cool they're people. They're not just cool, but they're also very generous. They're cool Jason, and generous. You know, Peggy's husband, Jason, every now and then will send me a picture of his new Air Jordans. Did you know that? I did not. I've never seen a picture of his shoes. <laughs> He's got, got, I got some new J's. Yeah, I want to see a picture of Peggy's uh, wine cellar. That's what I want to see. Maury Povich announces an orangutan paternity result test for Denver Zoo. Remember, Maury used to be the king of this. Of the orangutan? No, no, no. <laughs> the paternity test. I know, right? Yeah. But who cares the Denver about Zoo finally announced an answer to its recent orangutan paternity mystery with the help of an expert in the field, Maury Povich. Guess how old Maury is? Maury is probably 81. 84. Good guess. You're okay. good with old people. Povich hosted daytime talk show Maury for 31 years, and the show was most famous for the segments where the host would announce the results of paternity tests with the catchphrase, you are the father or you are not the father. I thought this is pretty cool. So the Denver Zoo posted a video to Facebook showing Maury bringing an end to the mystery of which of the zoo's male uh, Sumatran orangutans, the 30-year-old or the 16-year-old, was the father of a four-month-old new orangutan. Fresh off receiving the Daytime Emmy's Lifetime Achievement Honor, Maury Povich is here to help us announce the paternity results for Siska. The video shows Povich dressed in a tuxedo. He opened an envelope containing the paternity test results before delivering the results. Bernie, you are the father. And then what did the orangutan do? Nothing, I don't think. I don't think there was anything. <laughs> I think that was pretty cool, though, that the Denver Zoo decided to do yeah. that. I like orangutans. Maury is 84 years old. Of course. By the way, they've added tug of war to the Pro Bowl game skills competition. Uh, what could go wrong there? Now, I, I, how many the ACLs get? Thought. How many ACLs get torn as they try to dig in? I'm with you. I thought that was a horrible decision. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, I do have a sports story for you. I have a UFO story. Oh, good. And I have a sports story about an STD. A sports story about an STD. Oh, boy. You wait till you hear this one. Oh, God. Yeah, that's next. Coming up. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Quick, uh, well, let's segue into the world of college football. Um, first of all, I will tell you that Jordan Schultz, who is the, what is he listed as? Bleacher Reports NFL Insider is reporting uh, that the Chargers, this was, I guess, from yesterday, do have interest in Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh per sources. It's unclear if the feeling is mutual as Harbaugh gets set to coach the Wolverines in their third consecutive college football playoff appearance but the chargers are interested uh, you know 
Go ahead. Uh, Greg Gabriel tweeted me earlier. Um, uh, it, like one, was it an angry tweet or was it? Was yeah, he, yeah, Greg was uh, unusually calm in his wow. tweet. He's um, usually, I know. He, uh, like, Life's too short to be that angry. It, what, he's bringing up again the point about, and other people have said this, if he's suspended in college football, others have said the NFL isn't a safe harbor for those people. And they have cited Jim Tressel in the past and others. Boy, that was there, a long time ago. Yeah, and there's no hard and fast rule about right. that. Like, that, that uh, college football's rules are enforced by the NFL. So, like, I... It's that will be an interest because of what what it, what Tyler told us before the show, and Tyler, um, it's maybe something to reset with later. But it will be interesting to see if he does choose the NFL, um, if he'll be forced to sit at all. Because why, why should he be forced I, to sit I, at I, all? That that I think those to me seem to be mutually exclusive. I agree. Issues. But, Tyler, I was going to go to you as our college football expert to, again, remind us of, I think, Adam Rittenberg on ESPN. Didn't, wasn't there a story today about kind of what, what Harbaugh may be facing in terms of uh, NCAA uh, yeah, sanctions? So the NCAA, this is, remember how when the Big Ten suspended Harbaugh, there was always the lingering quote of, well, the NCAA more more could be coming from the NCAA, and that's exactly what this is now. That's coming down because they were on campus beforehand, not just for the sign stealing, but for some other stuff that was going wrong with the Michigan program. So, the NCAA gave Michigan their notice of allegations that the Wolverines and Jim Harbaugh are facing a level one violation. For what does that mean? So that is like the most severe of uh, violations that you can get. Um, and this is for not cooperating with or misleading NCAA investigators about violations. And though that's not the sign stealing scandal. That is the recruiting scandal from a couple years ago. Now, they're also facing four other level two violations, which are less serious. And that is a part of the sign stealing investigation that's coming down. So the thing that is going to ding Harbaugh the most isn't the sign stealing. It's going to be this not cooperating with the NBA, with the NCAA and misleading investigators there. Yeah, and that's, they're going to try to stick him. And you've got that, plus you've got the four level twos as well. And this is going to come in the form of either suspensions, recruiting, um, like they're going to stop uh, recruiting limits. They're going to there's going to be penalty coming down on Michigan. Right. That's going this to is really why hurt I, them. I, Bowl I, bans I, potentially. Yeah, I was skeptical as to you know when that, like Sylvie mentioned earlier in the show, that rumor that came out about a five year extension at eleven million dollars a year. I, why would they? Why would Michigan? even go in that direction before they know what kind of penalty is coming down from the NCAA with regard to Jim. And I don't think Jim has the world's greatest relationship with the higher-ups at, at the university, I think he right? does with the president, but, but the not AD, the AD. Right. But at that right. point, who cares? You're, you're friends with the higher right. person at the university. Yeah. And then why would, and then with him at, as the number one seed in college football, why would he jump at a five-year, $55 million yeah, that deal? that doesn't sound uh, uh, lucrative enough to me. That's what I mean, especially yeah. now at the, with all these openings, there could be seven to ten openings. He is going to now maybe finally be wanted in the NFL after a couple of years of maybe not being. Yes. So, like, I don't, I don't think he's going to jump at the first offer. I think yeah. he's going to parlay this into his best 
his best offer. And I just, I read something on on Josina Anderson's Twitter timeline too that that there is a there, there's a there's talk that the price tag for Ben Johnson's fifteen million. His, Did I read agent, that right? His well, so yes, that was from Josina Anderson earlier today. But his agent has come out Josina. since then and refuted that. Okay, so that's not the case. Okay, well, I mean, the bidding is going to be there. There will be some significant. Um, there will be some significant salaries that are going to be paid to some of the guys. Okay, here's your other college. And wouldn't you know that I, there's a couple of young people standing outside right now when I read this. But I, I promise this to you. An Alabama player arrested for allegedly spreading an STD. You didn't know you could be arrested for that, did you? I can hear your speechless well, if, back if, there. If, if it's knowingly, of course he can. Alabama lineman Elijah Pritchett reportedly was arrested Wednesday on an STD charge. The Alabama player was taken into custody and charged with knowingly passing on a sexually transmitted disease, according to the Tuscaloosa thread. Spokeswoman uh, for the Tuscaloosa Police Department confirmed a report was filed last week and the arrest warrant was served Wednesday, according to the same report. Which one? Um, not sure. Further details aren't known at this time due to the medical nature of the charge. It's highly unlikely specifics will be publicly released unless it goes to trial. So terrible. It's awful. Mm. Not this is one situation where you do not say roll tide. No. <laughs> uh, by the way, it's uh, here. I have a story about the secret to happy life. Guess what it is? The secret to happy life. Health. Sleep. Going to yes. bed just one hour uh, later than uh, usual is enough to make you miserable, a new I, study suggests. Totally agree. Sleep. You got to get your sleep, man. If you don't get your sleep, your health is going to go sideways, and then your mood gets all messed up. I'm dicking around too much Excuse before me? bed. I'm dicking around too much. On the phone. Reading another tweet, scrolling a little more on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I didn't next know thing you know, we should take that literally or not. No, no, not literally. Like, it, and then next thing you know, it's eleven instead of ten fifteen, and like you well, said, it's an hour away. later. Put your phone you, away. I know. I, I easier said than done. Is there a device that will actually shut down your Twitter feed? I, you, you know, should I, try to look into that. You can I put should put time limits on apps. There you I go. Should, I should put time limits on my phone where my phone won't work. Yeah. Just do that. Well, I wouldn't say that because you need your phone to work in case, you know, somebody True. needs to get a hold of you in an emergency. But just use the time limit time limit on the app for your, you know, your Twitter account so you can't read it even if you wanted to until you wake up the next morning. And there's been studies done that the light from your phone actually yeah. if you're reading it too much as far as being close to bed, right? you'll sleep worse. Like, what, what are you really missing? If you turn your Twitter off at 10 o'clock at night and turn it back Nothing. on at 7 in the morning, what are you missing? Nothing. Well, then turn it off. I know. Easier said than done. All right. When we come back, Barstool Big Cat will join us.